Welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Kobe Greer. It's no secret, it's tough being a human these days with so many demands in our time and energy. No wonder we're often exhausted, overwhelmed, and just hoping for that one Powerball. <laughs> what if there was a way, a better way, to have the energy you need to power you through your work, to get everything done, to the level you know you're capable of and feel safe in the knowledge your boss and your work colleagues are looking out for you. To talk about bringing your best self to work is Dr. Jenny Brockus. So welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much. Dr. Jenny Brockus is a medical practitioner, fellow of the Australasian Society of Lifestyle Medicine, award-winning keynote speaker, and best-selling author specialising in the creation of happy, healthy workplaces that empower us to thrive. She works to inspire others to become the best version of themselves by translating the findings of the neuroscience and positive psychology into simple practical tools to enable people to work smarter, not harder. I like that. <laughs> with three decades of experience in working with people, she understands while intentions may be good, changing behaviours is not always easy which is why she works closely with business leaders and managers teaching the skill sets required for thrival, working with healthy levels of stress, solving problems, making good decisions, which is why she works closely with business leaders and managers teaching the skill sets required for thrival, working with healthy levels of stress, solving problems, making good decisions and treating ourselves as human not machine. Ever the lifelong learner, Jenny has undertaken postgraduate studies in nutritional and environmental medicine, the neuroscience of leadership, lifestyle medicine and mindfulness meditation. Jenny is frequently sought after as a commentator in local and national media and had many articles published in a variety of magazines and journals. She is a regular contributor to the CEO magazine, The Great Health Guide and Gloss. When not speaking, learning or writing, Jenny loves to spend time with her family, tramp and camp in faraway places and continues to challenge her lifelong fear of heights. <laughs> so lovely to have you here, Jenny. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. Fantastic. So Jenny, um, Many organisations are falling over themselves to install health and wellbeing programs. Why do you think they're doing this? And what do you think we can do as individuals to take better care of ourselves? That's a great opening question. Thank you. <laughs> um, I've been greatly heartened by seeing so many um, different organisations putting these programs into place because I think it shows a growing awareness of the need to look after everybody who's at work. Mm. Um, so often the focus has been sort of taking care of the customer. And I think, you know, the, the penny has dropped that actually if you look after your staff, and ensure that they are in tip-top shape themselves, they're actually going to work better and that's good for your bottom line. So I think they've realised it's actually good for business to look after the people that work for them or alongside them. And I think for the individual, this it's, it's a joint venture because I don't think 
it's it should be expected that the employer or organisation has to do everything for us. I think we each have to take individual responsibility for our own health and well-being. So I think working together, a bit of self-care, along with being placed in an environment that supports that and, and nurtures health and well-being, then it's a win-win for everybody. And then you, know, you get the outcomes that you're looking for. Absolutely, absolutely. Because mental health is a huge topic these days mm. and statistics can be really quite frightening. Mm. Um, what do you think the real issues are that are getting in the way of us getting better at managing our mental well-being? And how can we address these? That's a huge it is. topic. It's a massive it topic. Is. Yeah. Um, I, I actually get quite upset about it because while I think it's really great to see that um, we now have more permission to talk about mental health yeah. and well-being in the workplace and we are seeing steps being taken to ensure that we help prevent people from falling off the cliff, we are still sticking band-aids on the situation. We're not getting down to the nitty-gritty of what is leading people to develop that, that problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. And this really goes back to how we go about our lives and our work. And I think the biggest issue that we're not addressing sufficiently is the amount of stress that people are dealing with on a daily basis. Now, stress gets banded around all over the place. You know, everybody's stressed out and too busy. Um, so I think we have to accept that life as we know it has changed and work as we know it has changed enormously. What we've got to get better at is adapting in the right way to ensure that we're not sort of stuck in this survival mode of operating where we're always feeling overwhelmed and overcommitted and overtired and really look for ways to manage things better. It's about redesigning work and I know there are people out there looking at how we can make work work better for us so that you can go to that place that we call work looking forward to it thinking this is going to be a great day I'm going to be doing work that I really love doing and feeling that it's valuable that you're acknowledged for that great work and then all of a sudden you're in a much better state of mind and you can get on better with other people you're more contributive more collaborative and you're in a more positive state which you then of course go home in <laughs> yes. which has a positive impact on what's going on in the rest of our lives and you know, family and, and and friends and so everything starts to work better for us so i think we need to, to tap back into the origins of what we are doing to ourselves and stop all this overwork nonsense because it doesn't work and it's making us sick and leading us to be at risk or greater risk of burnout or mental mood disorders. Yeah, so so that identification is important, isn't it? Totally. Identifying that one is feeling stressed yes. and one yes. is under the pump or one yes. is feeling you know, overwhelmed. And not to accept that as being normal, because I think that's the that's the issue. We've now expected to be always busy and always overwhelmed and always tired. And that's that's not normal at all. Absolutely. So so let's let's take stock and get real. Mm. Um and this is the the human pace. We are we are human beings and we function much better when we have time to address our physiological and psychological needs. Then everything gets better. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. So you, you talk about, um, so, you know, leading on from that mental health is around, you know, health and well-being. So 
in addition to our physical and mental health, what completes the trifecta of mm. how of how this works? Mm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I'm I'm all about brain health. Yes, and people sometimes give me a sideways glance, and I can see them thinking, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I say, "Okay, well, do you need to think?" on a daily basis. And then they go, yes. I say, okay, well, your brain health is all about your cognition, how well you think, how well you learn, how you remember stuff. And it's all about the decision-making piece and problem solving and innovation. So it's it's how we use our marvelous mind. Yeah. So we need a fitter, healthier brain to enable us to do that. And, and I, and and that kind of makes me think, because when we're in that sort of like overwhelmed, you know, fight or flight mm. or freeze space, mm. this is pretty much when our thinking brain, our executive brain goes offline. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So when we're in that very high stressed yes. place. Yes. So the importance of kind of bringing that to a more mm. um, regulated yes. space For would help engage totally. that. Totally. For me, it's about coming from a place where you feel calm and alert. Yes. So you're calm, meaning that you've got access to what we call your prefrontal cortex, so your thinking mind, where you do all this planning and organizing and decision making, mm -hmm. um, but alert to what else is going on in your environment so you can respond appropriately. Yes. Uh, rather than having the sort of knee-jerk reaction. Because when, when you're under a lot of consistent pressure, that's that's when the damage can start to, to get in the way of better thinking because our our bandwidth of perspective starts to narrow right down and the brain becomes hyper alert but it's it's in that state of panic or danger 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 the stuff going on and you can't think straight so it's it's learning the skill to quiet the mind sufficiently that you can then start to see what would be the most appropriate um, action to take in this given situation. So for, for people in positions of leadership, I mean, this is absolutely essential because it's fine when the, you know, it's calm seas and the sun is shining, but it's what you do when the storm comes, when you can see the storm clouds gathering and taking the appropriate action before that storm actually hits you. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, I, I suppose it's identifying the signs that it are is. leading to yes. that more, yeah. that stressful place. Yes. And because we have this marvellous plastic brain, as it's known, because neuroplasticity means that your brain is constantly adapting and rewiring itself in response to the changes that's going on in our environment 24-7, we can always adapt and we can always upskill how well we think in, in certain sort of cognitive domains. Mm. So if we remain open-minded and curious as to what could I be doing better? How could I make this more efficient? So we're not just stuck in the status quo and well, I'm doing it this way because this is the way I was taught to do it. And, you know, I haven't looked beyond that. Then, then we're making life hard for ourselves. True. So I suppose, is it, would it be helpful just for listeners are there some practical ways in which they can um, remain or access that calm, regulated space where that is sort of like the, um, as you were saying, it is the space where we are most, um, I suppose, efficient, productive, mm. um, planning. Mm. Uh, yeah. Are there ways in which listeners can practically access 
that space? Yep. The, the first thing I think to, to do is to go back to the fundamentals, go back right mm. to the basics. And people go, yeah, oh, well, I know this stuff. And I say, I know you know, but you're not doing it. Because when we notice things are broken, like I'm so distracted or I'm feeling too stressed and I can't think straight. And we think that's the problem. And we forget that, well, maybe it's because we didn't get very good night's sleep last night. We were up all night because one of our children was sick with an earache or, you know, we've got a partner that snores or for whatever reason. And so if, if that's the issue, well, that is what needs to be addressed first. Then you're going to think much better. And so it's those lifestyle choices that we make that we, we overlook or undervalue that can make the biggest difference. And it's by making sure they're part of our regular schedule. So they're things that we do automatically that then takes that mental load away because you're not having to think about, oh, I really need to get down to the gym today. <laughs> because we always then that, get that guilt trip. Oh, I didn't go last week either. Um, so it's about sort of making sure that it's part and parcel of who we are and what we do consistently. So every day we're looking for ways to get better at making sure we make the healthy food choices, making sure that we do move more across our day because the new exercise prescription is not just 30 minutes of the huff and puff it's about moving more and sitting less and getting enough sleep and reframing how we go about managing our stress so that it's so it's in what i call the healthy zone and people often say how can stress be healthy jenny and i said well actually stress is great in moderation because a little bit of stress is what gives you that sense of excitement and anticipation and that's good because you're ready to take on whatever challenge you're, you're facing and you look forward to it mm. so it's it is the lifestyle basics you know how we eat move and sleep and manage our stress if we deal with those first you're automatically then set up to be in that calmer place where your brain and, and mind are calmer and more aligned to noticing what's going on. Because as soon as we're in that stressed out zone, then we stop seeing and we stop hearing. Yes. And then we sort of wonder why people aren't interacting well. Well, because they're all stressed out. And so they're so sort of caught up in what's not working well for them. They stop sort of noticing what's not working for other people. So... By helping ourselves, we automatically then are able to reach out and help others more effectively too. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, in your book, Smarter, Sharper Thinking, you outline the three components that lead towards higher performance. Mm. The first is create, mm. which are the lifestyle choices we make, mm. which you've touched on a little bit. Mm. Um, if we had to make a choice about which one to tackle first, <laughs> I like oh, you yeah. laughing there. <laughs> would you suggest, what would you suggest, sorry, and what are your top tips for your choice? Yes. Because isn't it crazy when we get stressed out, all the things that keep us well, Go out the totally go out the they window. Left the building. Yes, <laughs> with yes. a suitcase. <laughs> um, I'm I'm smiling with that question because it's a question I often get asked. Oh, so Jenny, you know, what should I be doing? Should I be sure ensuring that I, you know, if I'm really tired, should I be sleeping in a bit longer, or should I be getting down to the gym? What do I, what should I be doing? And I say, well, actually, it's the best thing to be doing is what suits you for that particular moment. I mean, ideally, you would get you know eight hours sleep 
and eat well and go to the gym or whatever the form of exercise you do on a regular basis. But if you're really, really, really tired, maybe the gym isn't the right place to go today. Maybe you would be better off having that extra 10, 15 minutes in bed. So I think it very much depends on the individual as to what is the best choice for you. It's not one size fits all because you've got a whole smorgasbord of different lifestyle choices. It's what works for you in your schedule at this point in time. Mm. But trying to get a, some sort of consistency in what you do mostly as well. And so I think it's always about starting small and having made the decision, yes, I really want to get more active in the day. Um, it's about making sure that, especially if you're desk bound, is that you do stand up at least once an hour and move about for five to ten minutes. It doesn't have to be more than that. But just starting that one positive action then leads to that little ripple of you start looking for other things that you can do and you automatically start actually taking on board those, those positive actions and then they sort of create this sort of bigger effect, which is great. Which is fantastic. Mm. And and I like what you're saying there too, Jenny, where, you know, I think when it comes to self-care, a lot of people think it's outside the workplace, but it can be it's in both. the workplace as Absolutely. well. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. It doesn't have to be separate from. No, so, totally not. Yes. Totally yes. not. <laughs> so because, because we're, we, we're alive all the time and it just happens to be where we are that that doesn't make sense so what i'm trying to say is that we have 24 hours in any given day so what you do in any of those moments within your 24 hours is under your control to a certain extent yes. <laughs> sometimes you've got to do things for other people <laughs> but 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 yes the, the message is simply that you can do more outside work for yourself but you can also do things within the workplace. And, you know, it may be something as simple as like, I will take a lunch break. Exactly. I was horrified when I saw the statistics, you know, 55% of people at work do not stop for lunch. Either they don't eat or they're stuck at their desk and they're often eating food, which they, they may have brought with them, but they've brought snacks on and they're not eating well and not even noticing what they're eating. Yeah. So... It, it can be something as small as that mm. to start to make a positive difference for yourself. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so referring to your book again and moving to the second component, Operate, mm. where you talk about the need for healthy stress management, focus, mindset and mindfulness. Mm. Again, where would you start and what works? <laughs> Sorry. Again, big question. Yeah, very big question. <laughs> and again, it goes back to the individual and, and that self-awareness piece of what am I struggling most with at the moment? Is it my level of distractibility? Or is it that I am a bit fixed in how I go about in approaching new stuff because you know, some people are a bit more resistant to change than others and how can I be more effective for I think for some people it's one of the best things we can do for ourselves is to learn how to quieten the mind because we've got this this chitter chatter chitter chatter going all day long sometimes it's all night long as well and it's exhausting when you're listening to it so learning how to quieten the mind in in very simple way with, with something like breathing can really help you to sort of quieten the mind so that you're more able to focus and be more mindful for what's going on for yourself and for other people around you. So, um, for example, in, a, in something like yoga, where there's a very strong emphasis on how you breathe, we've shown from the science that that regulated breathing 
not only sort of slows down the breathing rate, it slows down your, your heart rate and starts to slow down the rate of neuronal firing. And if you've ever been in that stuck in that horrible place of brain fog where you've got competing thoughts swirling around in your head, just taking three slow breaths and it's the exhalation that we need to focus on can do marvels to just quieten that mind down. And all of a sudden, not only do you, can you feel that stress sort of floating off from your neck and your shoulders, mm. you feel calmer in yourself and clearer in your thinking. Mm. And as soon as you've got that clarity, it's so much easier to then say, hmm, I need to prioritise what I'm doing here and it's going to be one, two and three and then you can get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's about simplifying things down, I think, because we live in such a complex and complicated world. It's easy to expect everything to be difficult. And I think by going back to the simple, how can I just quieten things down so I can think better? One, one thing I do recommend for people is to take time out every day for themselves mm. to think. Yeah. Because I meet a lot of people who always tell me, Jenny, I'm so busy, no time to think. And I think, well, that's ridiculous. How can we possibly be doing our best if if we're not thinking straight? So it needs to be maybe five minutes, ten minutes, however long you decide. Mm. Close the door, shut off the phone and the laptop, and just be with yourself and your thoughts. Now, for some people, they find that quite alarming. <laughs> A few people might be gasping right and now. Yourself, yeah. Oh, no, get me out of here now. I don't want to be left alone with my thoughts. They're terrifying. But it's just a quietening, um, reflective piece where you can consider, you know, am I on track? What am I trying to achieve here? Am I heading in the right direction? Do I need help? Yes. And just those simple questions which you can easily ask yourself um, then ensures that you are, you know, doing what you want to do and in the right way. Fantastic. It's about being in the present, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yes. Just very much so. Very, very much, much in so. the present moment. Yeah. And yeah. just connecting with whatever's going on with you at mm. that time, whether mm. it be anxiety, mm. overwhelm, because mm. it is that overwhelm that kind of causes us to live in the future or the yes. past or whatever. Yes. So taking that time to come in, as you say, yeah. and be in the present, yeah. is it is important. It is powerful. And it, and it is a practice as well. It really is. And and some people get freaked out with the thought, oh, ooh, I've got to learn mindfulness meditation. I'm not sure if it suits me. And I, I, I'm I, a proponent for mindfulness and other forms of meditation because I've seen and witnessed the benefits it can bring people. But mm. it's not for everybody. And if it's not for you, that's okay. But I think we can learn how to be mindful in other ways, in an informal practice. Absolutely. Through just taking the time out to step back and take a look around us. Mm. What's going on? Then we can adopt a more mindful approach before we step into a meeting, pick up the phone to have a conversation with somebody, and just be prepared and grounded for, for knowing what we expect might be happening next. Yes, yeah, and and just as I listen to you, Jenny, it's like I and you know I, I've also heard people say, oh, I haven't got time, I haven't got time. However, if you give yourself that time, yeah, it's like you're, yeah, it's like you're creating time because you're a lot more productive. Yes, yes. by having that, giving yourself yes. that time. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But um. Because yeah. I, I always like to say we actually achieve more by doing less. Yes, yes. Because when we get caught up in this cycle of overcommitment and over busy, we're mm. rushing around like headless mm. chooks, but we're actually not 
achieving as much as we might do if we just step back and thought, well, how, what's the best approach here? Mm. And just take, take it step by step. Fabulous, mm. fabulous. Um, so the third component that you speak of is integrate, mm. which basically is about our relationships and how we interact with others in relation to dealing with change, the need for innovation, collaboration and leadership. Mm. Why do work relationships matter and what are some simple tips to help us deal with those we find tricky to deal with? <laughs> <laughs> In one sentence, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> I wish. I wish. I wish. Human connection. Um, it's it's so important. Human connection is as important to our survival as air, food and water. And we have this amazing capacity to form relationships with other human beings. It's just that uh, somewhere along the piece in this hyper-connected world, a lot of people are feeling disconnected and are feeling lonely. You can be lonely in a crowd. Mm. And when we go to work, it's that feeling that you're in the right place, you're with the right people because you belong. It's that sense of tribe, which is so very important to yes. us. Uh, and if it's missing in action, people don't stay. Now, there are, I understand, you know, some people are more extrovert or introvert. Um, Introverts need connection just as much as extroverts. We just, they, saying we, <laughs> being a slightly introverted person, um, we just go about it in a slightly different way. But we still need that human connection. And the relationships we form at work are vitally important to determine how much energy we bring with us to the workplace. Because if we're looking forward to meeting our colleagues, then you're going to be more energised and focused and looking forward to, to getting on with the work. And if you're in that place where you know you've got trust in the room, again, you're feeling safe. And that's what your brain is constantly seeking. It's seeking that safety aspect. If you're in a safe place, you know it's okay to stay and hang around and do your best work. And I've always believed in the, the famous saying, no two heads are greater than one. Um, apparently there's some chap in, I think it was about 1546, John Haywood, who actually was the first person to say that. Oh. <laughs> but it's so true. We can do so much by ourselves, but when you put you know, multiple minds together, that's when you can really amplify your results because you can share ideas, you can share knowledge, but you have to have the the good relationship there in the first place to enable that to happen. True. You know, let's all sit down and brainstorm this. Well, yes, that'll work if you've got people who are aligned to, you know, achieving the same goal. So relationships at work matter. And and again, having a friend at work, even a good a best friend at work, has been shown to make a massive difference to how we feel about our work and how we go about our daily lives. It makes so much sense. Mm. Makes so much but sense. We, we've got to get better at it because mm. I've unfortunately witnessed too many places where there's a lot of toxicity in the workplace. Mm. And one of the biggest reasons why people leave work is because of a, of a failed relationship or a bad relationship, either with their co-workers or with a boss or a manager. So I think, uh, you know, we've just got to get better at nurturing our social intelligence mm -hmm. and really understanding of how we can protect ourselves, but also protect everybody else because we're always seeking that safety. Yes, yes. And, and you know, I do like how you... Um 
how you speak about, you know, collaboration and innovation rather mm. than, you know, when we speak about um, toxic uh, workplaces, it can be very much about um, uh, competition and yes. um, which is very dividing rather mm. than bringing mm. together. Mm. So, mm. yeah, these are great values that you speak of. Yeah, wonderful. So finally, um, Jenny, you've stated your mission is to be the Jamie Oliver of brain fitness. So what do you mean by this? <laughs> and what's your big picture vision? Uh, Love to know. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've always admired Jamie Oliver because, I mean, A, he, he, he's a great chef and he has great recipes, but it's it's what he does for other people to help them to understand what good nutrition is all about. And I love the work that he's done here and in in different parts of the world, sort of teaching kids, for example. Oh, you know, sure. What are different vegetables? What do they look like? What do they taste like? And and for me, brain fitness is, is the same thing. I want to help people to have that greater awareness of of self, of how their mind and their brain is set up so that they can be the best version of themselves by putting into place these simple recipes, yeah. um, starting with, with um, self-care and the lifestyle choices we make so that we can, you know, get the delicious results that we're hoping <laughs> to like achieve. That. So, yes. so that's my big mission, helping people feel better about themselves, but also to create workplaces which uh, engender great work because people want to be there, they want to contribute and make, you know, make the world a better place. Fantastic, fantastic. And before we end, what what is your website if people want to check out your it's, website? It's basically my name. So it's Dr. Dr. Jenny with a Y and Brockis, B-R-O-C-K-I-S dot com. Fantastic. It's been such a pleasure having you here today. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much.